Al-Bashir, your source of Islamic literature, presents Al-Akhirah, the afterlife, narrated by Imam Anwar Al-Awlaqi. Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Now where does the Dajjal appear from? There is a hadith in Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah and Ahmad and the scholars have authenticated it. عن أبي بكر الصديق قال حدثنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال الدجال يخرج من أرض بالمشرق يقال لها خراسان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says that the Dajjal will come out from a land in the east called خراسان خراسان الله عالم is in Iran or it's in Central Asia there's a present day state in Iran called خراسان but the name Khurasan in the time of Rasulullah used to encompass a larger area. It could expand well into some areas of Central Asia because it used to be a big area. Where will he reach? As we mentioned, he will go all over the world with the exception of Mecca and Medina. His fitna, Rasulullah says in the hadith narrated by Ahmed, مَا بَيْنَ خَلْقِ آدَمَ إِلَىٰ قِيَامِ السَّاعَةِ أَمْرٌ أَكْبَرُ مِنَ الدَّجَّالِ Rasulullah says nothing from the time Adam was created until the day of judgment is greater than the fitna of the Dajjal. And Rasulullah says, مَعَهُ جَنَّةٌ وَنَارٌ فَنَارُهُ جَنَّةٌ وَجَنَّتُهُ نَارٌ رَاهُ مسلم. Rasulullah says he has a hellfire and he has a paradise. But his hellfire is paradise and his paradise is a hellfire. He comes with blessings that is like paradise on earth. And he comes with what appears to be punishment similar to hellfire. And that is one of the ways he will mislead people. But Rasulullah is saying, never be deceived by him. Because his hellfire is paradise and his paradise is hellfire. It explains it further in this hadith also in Muslim. I know what a Dajjal has more than he does. Rasulullah is saying, I know what he has more than he does. معه نهران يجريان. He has two rivers. أحدهما رأي العين ماء أبيض والآخر رأي العين نار تأجج. One of them has white water flowing through and the other one has fire flowing through it. And you can see it with your own eyes, fire. فإما أدركن أحد فليأتي النهر الذي يراه نارا وليغمض ثم ليطأطئ رأسه فيشرب منه if you ever live to his time, then close your eyes and throw yourself in his river of fire because it is cold water. Examples of his fitna, and these are very, subhanAllah, when you imagine how much fitna the people will be going through in that time, when you read this hadith. ذكر رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الدجال ذات غدات فخفض فيه ورفع حتى ظنناه في طائفة النخل The Sahaba says, said that one day Rasulullah talked to us so much about الدجال that we thought that he is almost next to Medina. He's going to come right now. فلما رحنا إليه عرف ذلك فينا When we went to meet Rasulullah, he knew that. He felt that we were worried. فقال ما شأنكم Rasulullah said, what is wrong with you? قلنا يا رسول الله ذكرت الدجال غداتاً فخفضت فيه ورفعت حتى ظنناه في طائفة النخل. They said you have talked about him so much up and down that we thought that he is next to the palm trees of Medina. Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم said فقال غير الدجال أخوفني عليكم 
يخرج وانا فيكم فانا حجيجه دونكم ويخرج ولست فيكم فامرؤ حجيج نفسه رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says if he comes out and i am with you then i will take care of him and if he comes out and i am not with you then everybody is responsible for their self and then he said والله خليفتي على كل مسلم ان الله and i ask allah to protect every muslim انه شاب قطط عينه طافئه كاني اشبهه بعبد العزى بن قطن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم said that he is a young man and one of his eyes is bulging out so one eye the hadith we talked about earlier is covered with a piece of skin and the surface of the face the other eye is bulging out فمن ادركه منكم فليقرا عليه فواتح سوره الكهف if you ever live to his time and meet him then read on him the first ayat of surah al-kahf that is the protection innahu kharijun khallatan bayna al-sham wal-iraq fa'atha yaminan wa'atha shimalan ya ibadallah fasbutu qulna ya rasulullah wa ma labthu fi al-ard qala 40 yawman yawmun ka sanatan wa yawmun ka shahrin wa yawmun ka jum'ah wa sa'iru ayyamihi ka ayyamikum rasulullah sallallahu said he will come out between al-sham and al-iraq and he will corrupt the whole world right and left and then rasulullah said he will stay on earth for 40 days one day is like a year one day is like a month one day is like a week and then the rest of his days are like your regular days so one day will be as long as a year the next day will be as long as a month and then the third day will be like a week and then after that they will be regular days قلنا يا رسول الله فذلك اليوم الذي كسنه now the sahaba asked a question an interesting question when rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is talking to them about ad-dajjal what do you think came up on their minds when they heard that one day will be like a year and a day like a month and a day like a week what were they thinking about because it shows you what was on their mind they asked about salah they said the day which is as long as a year will it be enough for us to pray like a day even in the time of Dajjal, they're thinking about Salah. It shows you that they had so much concern about their Salah. This was the first question that they had for Rasulullah That day which is long as a year, will it be enough for us to pray like one day? Rasulullah said, No, اقدروا له قدره. Give it the right estimate. It's not going to be like the day, like, like the prayer of one day. You have to give it estimate, proportion, proportionate to the length of that day. قلنا يا رسول الله وما إسراعه في الأرض قال كغيث استدبرته الريح they said how fast will he be Rasulullah said like rain followed by wind and that is an expression to mean that he will be very fast and then Rasulullah said فيأتي على القوم فيدعوهم فيؤمنون به ويستجيبون له فيأمر السماء فتمطر والأرض فتنبت فتروح عليهم سارحتهم أطول ما كانت ذرا وأسبغه ضروعا وأمده خواصر He will occupy a town and the people will follow him He will order the sky to rain and he will order the earth He will command the earth to produce its fruits and then their cattle will be fat and will deliver for them They will have a lot of milk He has commands over these worldly things of rizq he will order the sky to rain he will order plants to come out from the earth that is the fitna of the dajjal people love this world 
and that is the gate which a Dajjal will come through. That is how he will deceive people. And then Rasulullah says, ثُمَّ يَأْتِي الْقَوْمَ فَيَدْعُوهُمْ فَيَرُدُّونَ عَلَيْهِ قَوْلَهُ فَيَنْصَرِفُ عَنْهُمْ فَيُصْبِحُونَ مُمْحِلِينَ لَيْسَ بِأَيْدِيهِمْ شَيْءٍ مِنْ أَمْوَالِهِمْ And then he will go to some people and he will give them da'wah and they would refuse to follow him. So he would prevent rain from coming down and he would prevent the earth from producing its fruits and their cattle will die. And he would leave and they are broke and they have nothing. This is the fitna of Dajjal. وَيَمُرُّ بِالْخَرِبَةِ فَيَقُولُ لَهَا أَخْرِجِي كُنُوزَكِي فَتَتْبَعُهُ كُنُوزُهَا كَيَعَاسِبِ النَّحْلِ And he will pass next to a ruins. He will pass next to ruins. And he will call the treasures to come out. And the treasures of the earth will follow him like bees. You know when the queen of the beehive goes out and all of the bees follow the queen? That is how Dajjal will be. He will just point for the treasures of the earth and they would come out. ثم يدعو رجلا ممتلئا شبابا فيضربه بالسيف فيقطعه جزلتين رمية الغرض ثم يدعوه فيقبل ويتهلل وجهه يضحك and he will call a young man strong and he would split him into two pieces and separate them and then he would call him to come and he would come back alive again smiling and laughing he would bring a young man in front of him he would cut him into two pieces and then he would give him life again with the will of Allah. It's a fitna. It's a fitna. It's a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's giving this man these supernatural abilities as a test for the people. And that is the fitna of Ad-Dajjal. And we should never underestimate the fitna of Ad-Dajjal. And I always say that sometimes the only way we would be able to recognize it if we, if we think about it in our own terms. For example, one of the ibadat is Salat al-Jama'ah. This is one example I'm giving, but there are many other examples that we could apply this uh, analogy to. We miss a lot of Salat Jama'ah. All of us, we miss a lot of Salat. And we always have an excuse for not showing up. Ask yourself the question honestly. If you know that you will be offered $50 for every Salat Jama'ah that you come to to the Masjid, as soon as you come into the gate of the Masjid, you will be handed a $50 bill. Would you miss as many salah as you are now? Ask yourself the question. Is a $50 bill going to attract you to the masjid or not? If a Dajjal, now we're talking about only $50 here and it's going to bring people to, to the masjid. A Dajjal will have the gold and the silver of the world. And if you follow him, he will give you whatever you want. And if you don't, he will take everything that you have. What is keeping us away from ibadah is attachment to dunya. And Allah alam, it might be a $6 per hour minimum wage, or it might be a $10 per hour, it could be 20 Some of you might be making much more than that, but it's a very small amount. It's much less than what a Dajjal can offer. Now, if that is sufficient enough to take us away from ibadah, if the small amount of money is sufficient to take us away from ibadah, think about in the time of a Dajjal, when if you don't follow him, you're going to get nothing. You're going to have to suffer poverty for the rest of your life. And if you do follow him, you will get whatever you want. All dunya. Therefore, it's a big fitna. Fitna the Dajjal is a big fitna. Not only is it a fitna of wealth and money, but also the ability that he has. And the power and the glory. 
and the glamour that he'll come with. And that's why he's going to attract attract all of the ignorant and people who are have a very weak faith. They're all going to follow him because of this fitna of his. Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi says in this hadith narrated by al-Bukhari عن أبي سعيد قال حدثنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يوما حديثا طويلا عن الدجال فكان فيما يحدثنا به أنه قال يأتي الدجال وهو محرم عليه أن يدخل نقاب المدينة فينزل بعض السباخ التي تل المدينة فيخرج إليه يومئذ رجل وهو خير الناس أو من خيار الناس فيقول أشهد أنك الدجال الذي حدثنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم حديثة رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says الدجال will pass by Medina and he will not be able to enter into Medina so he will base himself outside Medina and one of the men will come out to meet him and Rasulullah says he is the best or one of the best men of his time and he will walk up to a Dajjal and say I testify and I bear witness that you are a Dajjal whom Rasulullah spoke about he will go in his face and tell him you are a Dajjal فيقول الدجال أرأيت من قتلت هذا ثم أحييته هل تشكون في الأمر فيقولون لا الدجال will tell the people around him if I kill this man and then I resurrect him again will you have any doubts in me they will say no فيقتله ثم يحييه he will kill him and then he would resurrect him again he would give him life again فيقول this man will say والله ما كنت فيك أشد بصيرة مني اليوم he will say this have only made me more assured that you are a Dajjal the man will be resurrected and he will say this has only made me more assured that you are a Dajjal and then a Dajjal will be upset and will try to kill him فلا يسلط عليه Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect that man he will not be able to kill him Allah will give that man protection because he showed his iman and he showed his tawqul on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will save him from a dajjal who's killing and giving life Allah will save him and a dajjal will not be able to harm him finally in this section وَإِنَّ مِنْ فِتْنَتِهِ أَنْ يَقُولَ لِلْأَعْرَابِي أَرَأَيْتَ إِنْ بَعَثْتُ لَكَ أَبَاكَ وَأُمَّكَ أَتَشْهَدُ أَنِّي رَبُّكَ فَيَقُولُ نَعَمْ look at subhanallah this fitna and this is in Ibn Majah a dajjal will bring a bedouin Simple Bedouin. And he will tell him, If I resurrect your father and your mother, would you believe in me? The Bedouin will say yes. فَيَتَمَثَّلُ لَهُ شَيْطَانًا فِي صُورَةِ أَبِيهِ وَأُمِّهِ فَيَقُولًا يَا بُنَيَّ اتَّبِعْ فَإِنَّهُ رَبُّهُ Two devils will assume the personality and the form of his father and mother. And they would tell him, Oh my son, follow him, he is your Lord. What appears to be his father and his mother are going to come and tell their son, Oh my son, follow him, he is your Lord. It is a great fitna, the fitna of a Dajjal. Now how do we protect ourselves from the fitna of a Dajjal? We're almost done with a Dajjal. Number one, Iman. Number one, Iman. Don't wait until a Dajjal comes to build your Iman. You will not be able to. Because one hadith, that three things, when they appear, if a soul does not have Iman, 
their iman will not do them any good. Three things, if they appear, if the heart does not have iman, then no iman would do them any good after that. And one of them is a dajjal, and we'll talk about the other two. So when a dajjal comes, if you don't already have iman, whatever iman you develop after that will not help you. It's going to be too late. Iman needs to be prepared prior to the time of a dajjal. Because when that Dajjal comes out, it's going to be too late to develop Iman then. And even if you did develop, it's, going to, it's not going to do any good. Therefore, it needs to be developed early on. And we already have the warnings. Number two, Isti'adha. You seek refuge in Allah from a Dajjal. Rasulullah one of the du'a that he would say after Salah, and some of the scholars said that this du'a is wajib in Salah. Some of them, not all of them. But they said that it's wajib because Rasulullah used to make this du'a so frequently after a tashahad and before Salah. اللهم إن نعوذ بك من عذاب جهنم ومن عذاب القبر ومن فتنة المحيا والممات ومن فتنة المسيح الدجال. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from hellfire. I seek refuge in you from punishment of the grave. I seek refuge in you from the fitna, the trials of life and death. And I seek refuge in you from a dajjal. And Rasulullah used to say this dua after tashahud and before salam. And he used to repeat it so many times and it is worthy for us to repeat it always. Number three, to read the opening of Surah Al-Kahf or the last part of Surah Al-Kahf. يقول الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم في حديث مسلم فمن أدركه منكم فليقرأ عليه فواتح سورة الكهف. Whoever sees him of you, then read on him the opening of Surah Al-Kahf. Why the opening of Surah Al-Kahf? Why do you think the opening? Now there's no hadith to explain it. I'm just getting your thoughts. Why do you think the opening of Surah Al-Kahf? That could be one of the reasons. Now, there's no definitive answer. But that could be one reason. It is because the first ayah is the book has been revealed to Muhammad wasallam. But also, Allah Alam, one of the reasons, I think, specifically the first ayat of Surah Al-Kahf, talk about the story of who? The story of Ashab Al-Kahf. And what is the story of the people of the cave? The young men of the cave. So they ran away. They left the fitna. They did not confront it. Usually, we should confront evil. As Muslims, we are ordered to confront evil, to fight evil, to stamp it out. That's why we have jihad in Islam. But the young men of the cave, they did not confront it. They ran away from it. They left their people. They left the whole society. Why? Because the fitna was too great for them to confront. The fitna was so huge that they would have lost themselves, lost their own iman. Whenever you feel danger on yourself, then you need to flee and protect yourself first. It is responsibility on every one of us to make sure that we, yourself, is protected first. So they fled away because the king and the whole people are non-believers and they're not accepting the da'wah. So they went away and where did they go? They went to a mountain, they went in a cave. SubhanAllah, notice the similarities. Rasulullah says, if any of you hears about a Dajjal, never go to meet him. Why? Rasulullah says, because you go meeting him thinking that you are a mu'min, you are a believer, and you would leave the meeting as a non-believer because of the doubts that he puts in your heart. And then Rasulullah says, and people are going to run away from him on the tops of mountains. Very similar to the story of the young man of the cave. Allah Alam, that's the thought that I had. 
يعني one similarity because it, it seems very similar that these young men they fled why to protect their religion to preserve their deen and they were so few in number they could not confront the whole society and in the time of Dajjal the whole world will follow him who are you going to fight the whole world is following a Dajjal and his fitness so much that he, even you are not going to be able to handle it let alone fight a Dajjal therefore Rasulullah said flee don't meet him don't go and see a Dajjal because of all of the fitan, because all of the deception that he has. He is called Ad-Dajjal, the imposter, the false, the liar, the biggest liar that the world has ever seen. He has so much power and ability to deceive, Rasulullah said, don't confront him. And then people are going to go and run away from him on top of mountains. And you might say, well, how about this man who went to meet Ad-Dajjal? That's an exalted example of Iman. Not everybody has the Iman of this young man. Rasulullah said that he is the best of his time. Not everybody has that iman. And people are going to fall into the trap. So if you fear for your safety, then leave. In another hadith, it talks about the end of uh, Surah Al-Kahf. So there's two narrations. One of them, the beginning of Al-Kahf, and the other one, the end of Surah Al-Kahf. Number four, avoiding him. And he talked about this. This is in Sunan Nabi Dawood. مَنْ سَمِعَ بِالدَّجَّالِ فَلْيَنْأَى عَنْهِ فَوَاللَّهِ إِنَّ الرَّجُلَ لَيَأْتِيهِ وَهُوَ يَحْسِبُ أَنَّهُ مُؤْمِنْ فَيَتَّبِعُهُ مِمَّا يَبْعَثُ بِهِ مِنَ الشَّهَوَاتِ Rasulullah says, if you hear about a Dajjal in a place, then go away from him. Because in the name of Allah, a man would go to meet him thinking that he's a believer and he would end up following a Dajjal. From a Dajjal. So we have four ways of protecting ourselves from a Dajjal. Number one, Iman. Number two, Sta'adha. And three, reading Surah Al-Kahf. And number four, avoiding him. By the way, for Al-Kahf, Rasulullah said to read the first ten ayat, so they should be memorized. And if you can memorize the whole surah, that's also better. Uh, finally, the death of Ad-Dajjal. Ad-Dajjal, even though he has all of this fitna, but no matter how long a lie lasts, no matter how big the lie is, one day it will be exposed. Lies can never continue forever. And this is a huge fake story. Ad-Dajjal is all about deception and lying. And his deception will carry him, but it will only carry him so far, and then he will collapse. In the end, he will collapse, and that will be the end of Ad-Dajjal. But he will not collapse until he has caused so much damage all over the world, that almost the entire world has followed him. And he will be unstoppable, and no one will be able to fight him. Al-Mahdi would have no way of competing with Al-Dajjal. Al-Mahdi will be alive in that time. And Al-Mahdi will be with the believers in Jerusalem, hiding away from him in their forts. There's no way they can confront him. Until Isa ibn Maryam السلام, descends, and then Isa ibn Maryam, just like Allah has given Al-Dajjal these supernatural abilities, Allah will give Sayyidina Isa السلام, a miracle, and that is he will have the power of killing a Dajjal by his vision. Sayyidina Isa, in one hadith, his vision, in one hadith, his breath. By the vision and breath of Isa, that will be enough to melt a Dajjal like a piece of ice melts. And that is a miracle that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give Sayyidina Isa. In this hadith in Muslim, يَخْرُجُ الدَّجَّالُ فِي أُمَّتِي فَيَمْكُثُ أَرْبَعِينَ لا أدري أربعين يوما أو أربعين شهرا أو أربعين عاما فيبعث الله عيسى بن مريم كأنه عروة بن مسعود فيطلبه فيهلكه 
Rasulullah says that Dajjal will stay 40 and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send Isa, the son of Mary, and he will follow him and then he will kill him. And Rasulullah says that Isa will look like Urwa bin Mas'ud, one of the men who used to live in the time of Rasulullah He described Isa as being similar to Urwa bin Mas'ud in his features. In a hadith narrated in Ahmad, يَقْتُلُ بْنُ مَرْيَمْ الدَّجَّالِ Ibn Maryam, Isa ibn Maryam, alayhi salam, will kill a Dajjal at Bab Lud. And this is in Palestine. That's where a Dajjal will be killed. So this is the end of the story of a Dajjal. The second major sign of the Day of Judgment is the descending of Sayyidina Isa. Last night we talked about a Dajjal. And tonight, inshallah ta'ala, we'll start with the second uh, major sign of the Day of Judgment in terms of order, and that is the descendants of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam will descend, and the location of his descending will be Damascus. And Rasulullah sallallahu pinpointed the area and said, next to the eastern white minaret, عند شرقي المنارة البيضاء. At the time when Rasulullah sallallahu said this, there wasn't any masjid in Damascus. When Rasulullah said this hadith, there was no masjid in Damascus. It wasn't Muslim yet. It was part of the Roman Empire. It was Christian. Nevertheless, Rasulullah still said that he will descend next to the white minaret, the eastern white minaret in Damascus. Al-Masjid al-Amawi is the biggest of the masajid of Damascus. It's called Al-Masjid al-Amawi. And it was a very important masjid in the history of the Muslim world because the uh, capital of the Khilafah moved to Damascus for quite a while, about a hundred years. The capital was in Damascus, and that is in the time of Al-Khilafah Al-Amawiyya. And the Grand Mosque was the, what we call now Al-Jam'a Al-Amawi, the Amawi Masjid. And it's a very big masjid. The color of it wasn't white. Ibn Kathir says that a few centuries later, the minarets of the masjid were rebuilt and the money that was used in rebuilding them was Christian money. Now Allah Alam ibn Kathir didn't say why or I couldn't find the reason why. But he said that it is the Christians who paid for the renovation of the minarets. And in this renovation, the color was made white. And I wanted to know if there's anybody from uh, Damascus here to tell us if the minaret is still white or not. It is still white? It wasn't white when they built it. When it was built in the beginning, it wasn't white. But it is white now. Is it because it's marble or, or is paint or what? Marble. And it's white marble. Yeah, subhanAllah. So Ibn Kathir says that subhanAllah it's a miracle that Christians are the one who financed and paid for the renovation of a Masjid al-Amawi where Sayyidina Isa will descend and disapprove what they are doing and give them da'wah to Islam. It's something interesting. It's interesting history. By the way, there's another amazing example here about colors. Masjid of Medina, Al-Haram al-Nabawi. Al-Haram al-Nabawi in the time of Rasulullah was built from what? Mud. Clay. The color of it was beige or brown or color of uh, clay. And it remained like that for a while until it was renovated in the time of Uthman and then renovated again. Throughout the Muslim history it was renovated 
It never carried the color white until the latest renovation that happened now under the Saudi regime. This latest renovation, they made uh, the minarets white marble. It's a little different colors, but it has an overwhelming color or more of a shade of a certain color. It has more of a grayish shade in Mecca, but it has a white shade that looks quite white in Medina. I don't think that this hadith was kept in mind when that renovation was done, because it was an engineering company that did it. And the intention was to make it look good. But there's a hadith of Rasulullah that a Dajjal would stand over the mountain of Uhud, because a Dajjal cannot enter into Medina. And he will tell his army, do you see Al-Qasr Al-Abyad? Ataroon Al-Qasr Al-Abyad, that's Qasr Muhammad. Do you see that white palace? That is the palace of Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the white palace. And he will point to the Masjid al-Nabawi. And this is also an interesting thing to note when it comes to color of the Masjid al-Nabawi. The evidence of the descending of Isa is mutawatir. Mutawatir means frequently narrated and it leaves no doubt in mind. Because there is there's a, something that is mawdu'ah, which is fabricated. And then you have a weak narration, which is daif. And then the higher degree is hasan, agreeable. And then the higher is sahih, which is authentic. And then the strongest type of sahih is mutawatir. Mutawatir is something that came from so many directions. It is impossible, it is impossible for it to have any doubt. It is certain. When there is something that is certain knowledge, it is mutawatir. The descendants of Sayyidina Isa, Jesus, the son of Mary, his descending in our belief as Muslims is certain knowledge. Meaning we don't say there's a 60 or 70 percent chance of him descending. It was one of the things where a Muslim has to believe in. It is an article of faith for us to believe that Isa, salam, Jesus will descend. It's not something where there's a difference of opinion. This is something where it is certain knowledge. According to some of the ayat of Qur'an and also uh, an abundance of ahadith. Now the ayat do not explicitly mention his name in this, but the meaning of the ayah is talking about Sayyidina Isa. One example is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Zukhruf, وَإِنَّهُ لَعِلْمُ السَّاعَةِ He is the knowledge, Jesus, Isa, he is the knowledge of the hour, the day of judgment. In another Qur'an, in another variant reading of Qur'an, وَإِنَّهُ لَعَلَمُ السَّاعَةِ He is the sign of the Day of Judgment. So according to one reading of Qur'an, Isa is the sign of the Day of Judgment. His descending on earth is a sign of the Day of Judgment. Ibn Abbas says, and this narration is authentic, it is a narration in Musnad al-Imam Ahmad, it is attributed, this saying is attributed to Ibn Abbas. He says in the tafsir of this ayah, He says this ayah is talking about the descending of Isa, the son of Mary, before the day of judgment. That is the tafsir of Ibn Abbas to the ayah. There's another ayah in Quran. من أهل الكتاب إلا ليؤمنن به قبل موته ويوم القيامة يكون عليهم شهيدا. 
The ayah says that every single one of the people of the book will believe in him before his death and he will be a witness over them on the day of judgment. Every one of them, every one of the Christian or the Jews, people of the book, will believe in him, in Isa, before his death and he will be a witness over them. Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, he says, حدثنا ابن بشار قال حدثنا سفيان عن أبي حصين عن سعيد بن جبير عن ابن عباس في قوله لا يؤمنن به قبل موته قال قبل موت عيسى عليه السلام قال ابن كثير هذا إسناد صحيح ابن جرير he has a chain of narration that goes all the way to ابن عباس and then ابن عباس says in the tafsir of this ayah that the people of the book will believe before his death he says that is before the death of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. And Ibn Kathir says this is an authentic chain of narration. And then Al-Hasan al-Basri says this is before the death of Isa. In the name of Allah he is now alive and then he will descend. And when he descends all of them will believe in him. قَبْلَ مَوْتِ عِيسَى وَاللَّهِ إِنَّهُ الْآنَ حَيٌّ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ وَلَكِنْ إِذَا نَزَلَ آمَنُوا بِهِ أَجْمَعُونَ so these are evidences from Qur'an, from Sunnah. This hadith is muttafaq alayh. Muttafaq alayh is narrated by Bukhari and Muslim. Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Waladhi nafsi biyadih Layushikanna an yanzila fikum ibn Maryam Hakaman adla Fayaksir al-salib Wayaqtul al-khinzir Wayadha al-jizya Wayafid al-mal Hatta la yaqbalahu ahad حتى تكون السجدة الواحدة خيرا من الدنيا وما فيها. رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says, the time is approaching when Isa the son of Maryam will descend among you and will be a just ruler. He will break the cross and kill the pig and refuse to accept jizya and wealth will be so abundant nobody will accept it. And in that time, will be more valuable to the people than the world and everything in it. So Isa will come down, alayhi salam. He will break the cross. He will take the cross and he will break it. This symbolizes his disapproval of the shirk that happened in his name. Because he was taken as a god besides Allah. He will come down and he will take the cross and he will break it. He will disapprove associating him as a son of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he will kill the pig. He will rid the earth from pigs. And he will abandon jizya. Jizya is the tax money that the Christians and the Jews, the people of the book, pay for the protection of the Muslim khilafah. When they are citizens of the Muslim khilafah, they have the freedom of religion. And because zakah is a ibadah, zakah is a worship for Muslims, they are not asked to pay zakah because they are not Muslims. They are not forced to pay zakah because they are not Muslims. This is part of their freedom of religion. How come they should pay zakah when they are not Muslim? But because that is the money that the Muslims are paying to the Muslim government, the Christians and the Jews who are getting the same services also have to pay something. So that payment came in the form of jizya. 
tax money that they pay per head. Isa will not accept it anymore. He will refuse to accept it. Because Isa will only give the people the choice of Islam or war. He will not give them a choice of paying jizya. He will only accept from them Islam. Otherwise they will get into war with him. So there is no more jizya in the time of Isa. No more tax money in the time of Isa. That is what is meant by yada al jizya. And then Rasulullah says, وَيَفِيضَ mal, Money, wealth, will be widespread. حَتَّى لَا يَقْبَلَهُ أَحَدٌ There will be so much money, people will pass next to it and nobody will take anything. Because the people will have, they will be very content. First of all, there is so much wealth around. Nobody will beg, nobody will lose their dignity for money. Because there is so much of it. And in the same time, because it's so close to the Day of Judgment, people don't have this on their minds. That's why one sajda for them will be more valued than the world and everything in it. One sajda will be more valuable to those people than the world and everything in it. Because they know that that's the end of the world. And Rasulullah says in another hadith, متفق عليه, كيف أنتم إذا نزل ابن مريم فيكم وإمامكم منكم What will your situation be when the son of Mary will descend among you and your imam is from within yourselves? Because when Isa arrives, he will walk in and the Muslims are about to pray. The iqama was made for salah. In the masjid in Damascus, he will come down and the Muslims are in the masjid praying. Iqama would be made. When al-Mahdi sees Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam, he will retreat and he will ask him to lead the prayer. But Isa alayhi salam will tell al-Mahdi that the iqama was made for you, therefore you lead the salah. And this is an honor for this ummah that Isa ibn Maryam will pray behind one of the followers of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And this is a great honor for this ummah. Obviously after that then Isa will assume responsibility. But in that particular salah, Al-Mahdi would lead the salah because the iqama was made for him. Ibn Kathir says, تواترت الأحاديث عن رسول الله أنه أخبر بنزول عيسى قبل يوم القيامة إماما عدلا وحكما مقصطا Ibn Kathir says that these ahadith are mutawatir. Uh, the hadith by the way of the location I didn't read it. The hadith is in the Tirmidhi. إذ هبط عيسى بن مريم عليه السلام بشرقي دمشق عند المنارة البيضاء بين مهرودتين واضعا يديه على أجنحة ملكين رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says عيسى بن مريم عليه السلام would descend next to the eastern minaret of the masjid white minaret of the masjid he has two yellow garments and he will be placing his two hands on the wings of angels that's how he will come down placing his hands on the wings of two angels. Now when Isa السلام, assumes the position of leadership among the Muslims, what law would he apply? Because Isa السلام, when he was sent to earth to Bani Israel, he followed the law of Musa, a Torah. When he would descend, what law would he apply? He would apply the law of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. All of it is Islam. The message of Musa was Islam and the message of Isa was Islam and the message of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was Islam. But there were differences in the particular details of the law appropriate for every people. 
When Isa descends, he will follow the law of Muhammad And subhanAllah, also this is an honor for Muhammad that Isa would follow him. And Muhammad said in another hadith to Umar al-Khattab that if Musa was today alive, he would have to follow me. How will that happen? Allah al-Qurtubi says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will teach Isa in the heavens the law of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the law of, that was revealed to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the law of Qur'an, and he will come and he will apply it. Now, you might say, well, part of the law of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was to accept jizya. How come Isa will not accept it anymore? Because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the one who approved al-jizya, the tax money that the Christians and the Jews pay in the Muslim world. How come Isa will not accept it anymore? Well, the answer to that is that Rasulullah is the one who said that in his hadith that jizya would continue until the time of Isa. After the time of Isa, there's no more jizya. So it is Rasulullah who stated that the law of jizya only applies until the time of Isa ibn Maryam. After that, there's no more jizya. And this is mentioned in the hadith where he says that al jizya. He will not accept jizya anymore. And Isa, when he descends, he will... And when he lives on earth, he will perform hajj with the Muslims. He will make hajj with the Muslims. Rasulullah says in the hadith narrated by Muslim, وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ لَيُهِلَّنَّ إِبْنُ مَرْيَمْ بِفَجِّ الرَّوْحَاءِ حَاجًا أَوْ مُعْتَمِرًا أَوْ لِيَسْنِيَنَّهُمَا Rasulullah says, in the name of whom my soul is in his hands, Isa ibn Maryam will make tahleel for Hajj, the intention for Hajj in Fajr Rauha, a place next to Mecca called Fajr Rauha, and he will make Hajj or Umrah or both. He will make Hajj and Umrah with the Muslims of this Ummah. What are the, what will be the condition of the world in the time of Isa ibn Maryam? This hadith is in Muslim. ثُمَّ يُرْسِلُ اللَّهُ مَطَرًا لا يكن منه بيت مدر ولا وبر فيغسل الأرض حتى يتركها كالزلفة After the time of Ya'juj and Ma'juj and we'll talk about Ya'juj and Ma'juj next Allah will send down a rain The rain will be so much that no house would provide cover from it whether it is a house of clay or a house of wool There will be so much rain Rasulullah says it will clean the world and leave it like a mirror. Allahu alam, this could mean that there will be so much water on the face of the earth that it will look like a mirror. Or the earth would be so clean that Rasulullah described it as clean and transparent as a mirror. The world would be so clean. The rain would wash away the bodies of Ya'juj and Ma'juj. And we'll talk about this next. And then, ثُمَّ يُقَالُ لِلْأَرْضِ أَنْبِتِي ثَمَرَتَكِ and Allah would give orders to the earth to produce its fruits. And return your blessing. This means that the blessing is already in the earth, but it's hidden because of our sins. Because Allah will tell the earth, Bring back the barakah, bring back the blessing, bring the blessings out. So the blessings are on earth, we are the reason why they're not appearing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Corruption appeared on land and in the sea. Why? Because of what the hands of people have reaped. Because of our actions, there is corruption not only on land, 
but also in the oceans, in sea. There's corruption all because of what our hands are doing. This uh, ruined environment, it's because of misuse of earth and the corruption and the sins of mankind. But in the time of Isa, Allah will give orders to the earth to bring the blessings out. What will happen? فَيَوْمَئِذٍ تَأْكُلُ الْعِصَابَةُ مِنَ الرُّمَّانَةِ وَيَسْتَظِلُّونَ بِقَحْفِهَا In that time, a group of people would eat from a pomegranate. One fruit would be enough for a group of people. They would all come in and share. They would eat from this fruit because it's so big. And the peel of it would provide them with shade. They would peel the pomegranate or any fruit and it would be shade for them. It's so big. That is how blessed the earth would be. That you would peel a fruit and that peel would provide shade for a group of people. وَيُبَارِكُ فِي الرِّسْلِ حَتَّى أَنَّ اللِّقْحَةَ مِنَ الْإِبْلِ لَتَكْفِي الْفِئَامَ مِنَ النَّاسِ وَاللِّقْحَةَ مِنَ الْبَقَرِ لَتَكْفِي الْقَبِيلَةَ مِنَ النَّاسِ وَاللِّقْحَةَ مِنَ الْغَنَمْ لَتَكْفِي الْفَخِذَ مِنَ النَّاسِ And Allah would bless milk. So the milk of a she-camel would be enough for a huge, for a tribe. And the milk of a cow would be enough for a clan. And the milk of a goat would be enough for an extended family of one goat. That's how much blessing there will be in the world. This is narrated by Muslim. Another hadith in Musnad al-Imam Ahmad. أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال الأنبياء إخوة لعلات أمهاتهم شتى ودينهم واحد وأنا أولى الناس بعيس بن مريم لأنه لم يكن بيني وبينه نبي The prophets are half brothers. Their religion is one, but their mothers are different. In other words, all of the Anbiya are brothers even though their law is different. The Sharia is different, but the religion is the same. And they are brothers, as Rasulullah said. And then he said, and Isa is the closest one to me. I am the closest one to Isa. Out of all of the Anbiya of Allah, I am the closest one to him. We have the closest relationship, me and Isa. Because there was no prophet between me and him. وَإِنَّهُ نَازِلْ And he would descend. فَإِذَا رَأَيْتُمُهُ فَعْرِفُوهُ رَجُلًا مَرْبُوعًا إِلَى الْحُمُرَةِ وَالْبَيَاضِ عَلَيْهِ ثَوْبَانِ مُمَصَّرًا كَأَنَّ رَأْسَهُ يَقْتِبِنْ With droplets of water even though it's dry. Sometimes people have such a beautiful hair. It might be so dark and black that it looks wet. As if there's water in it. That's how the hair of Sayyidina Isa looks. You look at his hair, you think it's wet. These are some descriptions that Rasulullah gave to Sayyidina Isa So his hair is very dark. He will crush the cross. In the first hadith, he would break it. In this hadith, he would crush it. And he would rid the earth from pigs. He would free the earth from this animal. And he will abandon jizya. وَيَدْعُ النَّاسَ إِلَى الْإِسْلَامِ And he would call all mankind to Islam. فَيُهْلِكُ اللَّهُ فِي زَمَانِهِ الْمِلَلَ كُلَّهَا إِلَّا الْإِسْلَامِ All of the religions, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will destroy them in his time except for Islam. In the time of Isa, all of the other religions would disappear except the religion of Islam, except the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that will only happen in the time of Isa ibn Maryam. وَيُهْلِكُ اللَّهُ فِي زَمَانِهِ الْمَسِيحَ الدَّجَّالِ Another honor to Sayyidina Isa. The first honor is that he will be the one who will achieve the final victory of Islam. Number two, Rasulullah says, in his time, الدَّجَّالِ will be eliminated. وَتَقَعُ الْأَمَانَةِ 
and peace would descend on earth. Peace would come down and live on earth. It would be with the people. It's not hanging up there. Peace would be with the people. There would be so much peace. Rasulullah says, حَتَّى تَرْتَعَ الْأُسُودُ مَعَ الْإِبِلْ وَالنِّمَارُ مَعَ الْبَقَرُ وَالذِّئَابُ مَعَ الْغَنَمُ وَيَلْعَبَ الصِّبْيَانُ بِالْحَيَّاتِ لَا تَضُرُّهُمْ Rasulullah says, Lions with a company camels and tigers with a company cows and wolves with a company goats and children would play with snakes. There would be so much peace on earth, no one wants to harm anyone. The lion and the camel are playing together. And the tiger and the cow. And the wolf and the goat. And the children are playing with snakes. And no one wants to harm anyone. There would be so much peace on earth in that time. And Rasulullah says, فَيَمْكُثُوا أَرْبَعِينَ سَنَةً He would stay for 40 years. ثُمَّ يُتَوَفَّى and then he would die and the Muslims would pray on him. He has to come down to earth and die because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us from this earth and we would live on this earth and die on this earth. Isa did not die yet. Allah will bring him down to achieve this final victory of Islam. This is, subhanAllah, this is a blessed ummah. It started with a Nabi and ends with a Nabi. Begins with a Rasul and ends with a Rasul. And then he would pass away and the Muslims would leave the salah on him. And Rasulullah says in the hadith he would stay for 40 years. But there's another hadith that says that he will stay for 7 years and both hadith are authentic. Both of them are in Muslim. One of them says he would stay for 40 years. One of them states that he will stay for 7 years. The scholars found a way to explain this. How did they explain it? 40 years is total age on earth. He lived for 33. He already lived for 33 years on earth. And then he has 7 years left in his life. And he will spend these 7 years with this ummah. Rasulullah says, During those 7 years, There will be 7 years when no two people will have any problem or animosity between them. There was so much peace in that time. And then, ثُمَّ يُرْسِلُ اللَّهِ رِيحًا بَارِدَةً مِنْ قِبَلِ الشَّامِ فَلَا يَبْقَى عَلَى وَجْهِ الْأَرْضِ أَحَدٌ فِي قَلْبِهِ مِثْقَالُ ذَرَّةٍ مِنْ خَيْرٍ أَوْ إِيمَانٍ إِلَّا قَبَضَتٍ And then a wind would blow from a sham. And it would take the souls of every believer, even the ones who have only a single grain of belief in their heart, they would die. And that's the end of the story of this world. It started with Adam and ends with the complete victory of Islam. So the final chapter in the history of the world is the victory of Islam and that is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says It will prevail over all religions. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says إِنَّ الْأَرْضَ لِلَّهِ يُورِثُهَا مَنْ يَشَاءُ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ وَالْعَاقِبَةُ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ The earth belongs to Allah and He will give it to whom He wants and in the end it will be for the believers. There is a spill between falsehood and truth and the struggle started from the time of Adam and continuously throughout the history of mankind you know, Karl Marx, he said, the history of the world is explained in economical terms. It is 
the conflict between people on the scarcity of resources. But that's not how history is interpreted. History is interpreted as a conflict between truth and falsehood. That is what the history of the world is. And this conflict is continuous. And it's ups and downs. One time the believers would win, the next day they would lose. One time this ummah goes up, the next day it would go down. But in the end, the end is what counts. The conclusion is what counts. In the end, Islam will prevail over all religions. And that will be the blessed era of this world. Where they would, it would be the most blessed Time Rasulullah says, Rasulullah says there would be so much blessing that if you throw your seed, if you throw a seed, you have some seeds in your hand, and you throw them on a solid rock, it will grow. Just drop seeds on a piece of rock and let them there, they would grow. That's how much blessing there would be on earth. And then that's the end. And we can say that that's the end of the history of the world or the history of this conflict between right and wrong. After that, the souls of the believers will be taken away. Following that, there will remain the munafiqeen and the worst of people. And Rasulullah says, يَتَهَارَجُونَ كَهَارَجَ الْحُمْرِ They would be corrupt and they would have intercourses among themselves like donkeys, like animals. The life would be so corrupt after that and then Rasulullah says, and these are the ones whom the hour would occur on. The day of judgment will occur on these people. And Allah that would continue maybe for 40 years or so, where there will be no iman on the face of the earth, there will be this corruption, and people killing each other, and perversion, and all types of uh, evil, and then the day of judgment will occur. And that's the end of the world. Sallallahu Muhammad wa for further information, please contact Al-Bashir Publications and Translations at 1-877-745-3330 or 303-574-0095. Our fax number is 303-373-0943 or visit our website at www dot albashir dot com that's www a l dash b a s h e e r dot com you can also write to our address at 10515 east 40th avenue suite 108 denver colorado 80239-3264 please proceed to the next cd